Welcome to Home Gym History. My name is Rob. You might see me on Vintage Weights PGH, and I am happy to be here tonight thanks to Garage Gym Radio Network. So please make sure that you like, subscribe, and follow all the Garage Gym Radio content that you've come to know and love. Tonight's episode, The History of the Cambered Bar, is going to tell just that. However, it's also going to have a modern connection with the cambered bar I've been using lately. It's right behind me. If you're watching the video, maybe you see it over my shoulder there. It's the Appalachian Bar from Primal Armor. And I'm happy to have Jeff Kimple of Primal Armor here as my guest. Welcome, Jeff. So, Jeff, I first saw you, met you, even heard of Primal Armor at Home Gym Con last April. And it was one of those deals where I was walking through home gym con and going kind of booth to booth, just checking things out. And I'd seen your name and I'd seen primal armor and the branding, but I never really like put my hands on a barbell or tried out any of your equipment. And right away I was pretty darn impressed. And I remember talking about it with Kurt from the Kurt locker. And then later during the strongman log lift off, you were participating and I hadn't actually seen you. Like, I don't know if I just caught it in like the morning walk around or something going by your booth that you weren't there. But yeah, I, um, that actually, that's probably when it was. And I said, oh, what's his name? And they said, oh, that's Jeff. He's the primal armor guy. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And you had like your shirt on and stuff. And I'm like, oh, it all came together. I, I connected everything. And you put on an impressive display, by the way, with the strongman log. So could you just give us a little background before we get into the Appalachian Bar and into, um, you know, Cambered Bars, just about your company and about your mission and what you're up to? I feel like what a lot of people have seen from Primal Armor this far is just everything since Home Gym Con. So everyone kind of knows me as uh, the barbell guy. But what I really started as was more of a, a podcast guy. Um I'm 100 episodes deep right now in our podcast, and I've taken a break in the last few months just because life's been super crazy, and we can get into that part a little bit later. <laughs> but yeah, I've always been into fitness. So I went to school for fitness. I went and got my bachelor's degree, decided I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I couldn't just uh, lift for money. So and then I was like, ah, let's go get a master's degree. Then even after the <laughs> master's degree, I'm like, well, shit, what do I do with this now? Yeah. So I'm like, ah, let's, let's just take some of this knowledge and we'll put it into a podcast and we'll see what I can do with it. Um, okay. And yeah, just, just doing like weekly tidbits of nutrition or just a- anything fitness related that you could just help better your life. And it kind of grew way quicker than I ever thought it was going to. I just thought I was going to be some like exercise nerd just <laughs> talking about what I wanted to talk about and like my three friends were going to listen to it. But we were across like 50 countries in like six months. That's awesome. Yeah. And it just blew my mind because I didn't ever think it was going to be that successful. And then it got to the point where I've always been a home gym uh, exerciser or however Mm -hmm. you want to call it. And I had been following all these different companies that like uh, executive fit, surplus strength. And I kind of knew a lot of those guys before they were as big as they are now. And I feel like a lot of us have grown since Home Gym Con, but that's kind of where I started was just knowing some of those guys a little bit on a more personal level. Mm-hmm. And I just reached out to those guys because I wanted to do something a little bit more with the podcast and just ramble on about just, <laughs> oh, this is what I know. I, I'm a smart guy in fitness. I kind of <laughs> want to make more of a purpose out of it. So 
Uh, for if anyone's listening and they don't know my story, I have two sisters that suffer from Huntington's disease. And what that is, is a terminal illness that has no cure at the moment. So I've funneled whatever proceeds that I can make from Primal Armor. And I try to find, or I just put that straight into research so we can find a cure for Huntington's disease. So I wanted to start making my fitness passion actually make a difference in more than just my life. I wanted to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. So the podcast cool. started, ended up getting sponsored by a few of these smaller companies and it grew mm -hmm. and grew from there. And I made more and more connections with cooler and it's just the nicest people you'll ever meet. And if that's a huge thing about home gym con, if you can go to home gym con, you're going to meet probably the coolest people you'll ever meet in your entire life. And almost everyone there has backed me in some sort of way on my journey. And I can't thank them enough. And that's gotten me to the point where I am today, where I've gotten enough connections now to where I work with a small shop, just a little bit, like a few hours away from where I'm based in my hometown. Yeah. And we just started uh, manufacturing some barbells and that just made a bigger dent in my mission of trying to find a cure for Huntington's disease. Very cool. Yeah. I, I was unaware of, like I said, your company before uh, getting to home gym con. And then I learned about all of that. And it, it's just, I think it's a very cool thing. Um, you know, that vision you have and the drive you have for that and the personal connection to it. But I also think, you know, just in the home gym space, like you said, it's, it's uh, fruitful and it's purposeful to have those connections and to have everything kind of connect and relate. And that's why I, I wanted to have you on to my podcast and I was just waiting for the chance. Like, okay, what, what kind of historical content would connect with Jeff? Like, right. how can I get him? How can I get him on here? And then boom, the pre-sale for the Appalachian bar dropped. And I was like, there it is. I haven't covered a history of Cambridge bar yet. I'm buying this sucker and I'm inviting Jeff on. And that's exactly how it went down. So the Appalachian bar listeners, if you're unaware, is a fairly recent release from primal armor. And it's a, at first glance, Cambered bar, traditional cambered bar that uh, you would use for squats. You could, you can bench with it, and I have. It's actually set up behind me for bench press tomorrow morning. And I, like I said, I've been using it for a while now, a couple months, I guess. And I just want to know, and I don't know the answer to this. Like, how did you go? You started out. You have a, a power bar that I know a couple different people that have purchased it. And then how'd you get to the Appalachian bar? And I said it at first glance, it's kind of a traditional one, but there are some interesting things about it that make it a little unique. So tell me a little more about Appalachian Bar. So like I said, I just had enough connections that hooked me up with the, the right people to be able to start manufacturing equipment. Actually, I'm... I got to ask you first because I'm going to get destroyed in the comments. Oh, yeah. I pronounced the name incorrectly. Say the word of the mountain range for me. Say the word of it for me. Appalachian. <laughs> I think I'm saying it right. Why are people yeah. destroying me? I, mean, I thought I had like my Yinzer Pittsburgh accent coming out. No, Appalachian. I'm, I'm saying it right. This like, must there's be like my Chicago accent or something. Okay. Must be because something similar. <laughs> I mentioned it on a previous podcast, your bar and Primal Armor, and people were dropping comments with like phonetic spellings and asking what's wrong with me. Well, at least there's two of us. And you're the creator of this bar. So maybe it's just the way you say it for the bar. Oh, so that's the so, right way to say it in my book. Nice. I like it. So anyway, back to the question. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, but yeah, I just ended up um, 
getting hooked up with the right people to be able to manufacture equipment. Because like I was saying, I was just a nerd who got out of college and just really knew how to create a workout program, but I wasn't anything like an engineer or a fabricator or anything like that. So I needed to have those right hookups. And once I got hooked up with the shop that I work with, we basically was rolling from there and they gave me some options of what I could do. And I was like, this is awesome. If this is something <laughs> that I, I can basically give people great equipment at a, at a cost that's lower than all these other manufacturers, because I'm not looking to make the big buck here. I'm just looking to make a little bit of difference in my mission. So that's how come I can try to keep great equipment at a lower price. That is a very different, uh, you know, business mindset than other companies. So that's, I, I mean, I, I got the pre-sale price, but um, is there another, at this point, are there still Appalachian bars available or is there another batch on the horizon? No, there, there's still Appalachian bars available. Okay, great. So still available, and what's the current price? Four twenty five. Four twenty five. So yeah, I mean, and, and that's shipping included. For a you know nicely narrowed, shipping included bar with uh, the sleeves and the shaft now are bright zinc. I want to say, mm -hmm. is that correct? Yeah. Yes. And then being the weirdo that I am, I wanted the shaft to be bare steel. So if mine over my shoulder looks a little darker, you're like, wait, why, why is the bar itself look a little darker than the bright zinc sleeves over my other shoulder? That's why, because I asked Jeff to like, see if he could get one set aside. And I don't know. I just like bare custom steel, order. custom order. I like bare steel. I like uh, patina. That's, that's another topic for another show. But one of the things that other than the price point and being made here in the United States and liking your company sold me on it was something as a home gym owner, which is that it's slightly shorter than the typical cambered bar, the typical Buffalo bar. There's many names for the bar, mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, I mean, you still got to do a little kayak kind of yeah. row to get in your rack, but it's not as pronounced. I'm not like the rafters in my basement right over my rack have many dents from getting bars in and out of my rack. And so far, no dents from the Appalachian bar. So that's in itself, I think, a cool feature that it's rackable, but it's slightly shorter than most. How did the uh, process kind of go from start to finish thinking in your head, OK, I want to make a cambered bar. I'm going to reach out. It's the same place, same shop where you had your other bar made. Yep. OK, cool. So a Buffalo bar has been something that I've wanted in my own inventory for probably the last like 10 years. But the only one that had really been available for most of that time was the Duffalo bar. And okay. I was a college student with no money and there was no way I was ever going to afford that. <laughs> yeah. And for the longest time I was living with my parents through college and I was not going to be able to fit that into my bedroom home gym. <laughs> so I, I had to fig figure out something. Yeah. And I just never, I never was able to. Um, and it's always been something I've wanted because I've always struggled with terrible shoulder issues and terrible mobility issues and terrible neck issues. So I never actually tried one. And mm. I really wanted to just try one to see if it would fix anything for me. So I actually had the first Appalachian bar for a few months before it was ever even teased or announced. So, um, so. I lost you there for a second where you were saying uh, you've had some shoulder issues, neck issues. Okay. So you've wanted to try one, but then because, you know, living at home, yep, college students, so not just finances, but also just the, the setup of you have a yeah, bedroom just, home gym. 
Could be putting yeah, holes in the wall if you have a, right. a longer uh, bar. It, it just wasn't feasible. It just wasn't yeah. feasible for me to be able to use at that time. Um, I finally bought my own house and had an entire gym set up in the garage. And yeah, I had those other two barbells, the Denali and the Olympus bar. Mm-hmm. And I asked uh, the shop that I was working for, I was like, can we make this happen? They brought some numbers forward and I really liked what they um, had sent me. So we worked back and forth. We kind of talked about some things and we came forward with the Appalachian bar. And I had that for, I would say three or four months before I even teased it to anyone. And I was just working on it and I loved it. It helped all my neck issues, helped all my shoulder issues. And as soon as that happened, it it sold me that I wanted to bring that forward because I wouldn't want to bring forward equipment that wasn't going to also help someone because just because I'm trying to help this mission, I also don't want to bring forward junk to people. Yeah. There's plenty of junk out there to begin with. Like I I've spoiled a couple, uh, different products that I'm working on, on uh, discord. Yeah. And even to a few people at home, Jim con, and it's just been a slow going process because this little thing's wrong. This, that, like that little thing's wrong. And yeah. like I said, I don't want to bring something just garbage or junk or that I don't truly trust to the market too early. So yeah. that's just what's been the problem of bringing something forward. And it's why it's taken this long. And that was the, you go ahead. Were there any, uh, no, go ahead. So that was, uh, kind of the, that's what's setting your pace. It's just having yeah. that kind of standard of, uh, the quality you want to get out there. But then I was going to ask, as far as the design process and things like that, were there any hiccups like you're mentioning anything as you're using it that you need to tweak or anything you need to change? Or was it a home run from the start? Yeah, it was basically a home run for the start. They kind of had an idea in their mind already of the Buffalo bar mm-hmm. and kind of had some equipment set up to do it, but they didn't want to run that for just like one or two bars. So that's why I ended up doing the pre-sale of 50 bars was just to make it worthwhile for the both of us to do it. And yeah, it ended up being a home run from the start. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from everyone. I don't think I really have a negative feedback yet. Other than just some people are saying that the camber bar isn't for them. And I can completely understand that. It's just different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think it it was shipped very well and I've gotten my share of bars that aren't shipped well and I've shipped bars myself and seen how difficult it can be. So yeah, it, it came well packaged and in perfect condition and yeah, I, I couldn't have asked for more in terms of transaction and the communication and everything else. As far as the use of it, I really like that the knurling, I'm doing like a mini review here, but <laughs> just to pay you a compliment while it's on my mind. One thing I like is that the knurling is just that sweet spot where it's, it's enough to kind of cling to me, but not so much that it's chewing me up. And for a bar that I'm primarily using for squats, that's perfect. Um, you know, I that's one thing about traditional power bars, besides just a straight bar, that sometimes can get a little bit annoying. And, you know, I might sound a little wimpy here, but that aggressive knurling's chewing me up. <laughs> I've got some like brush burns on my shoulders and stuff. So yeah, the Appalachian bars knurling is, I think, perfect for it. I also like um, just the angle of it because some of the longer ones have a slightly different depth of the camber and yours, I think is, you know, hits the right depth and 
feels good. Uh, as far as what you said is your own personal stuff with neck, shoulders. It's actually the neck that I read in the history of this that one of the first people to invent a buffalo bar, that's the reason he invented it. So do you have any kind of beat on the history of buffalo bars? You hear anything, read anything on the past of them? Nothing specifically, but what I've heard from so many people in the past of Buffalo bars is it just helps distribute that weight across your entire back. So it follows that arch of your traps. So instead of it just sitting right here, like a yeah. normal straight bar, it's going to be distributed all the way across. And exactly where the bar sits is exactly where my neck was all messed up. So I wanted to try anything I could. And I was getting to the point where I was about to buy like a Kabuki bar. I was about to just yeah. bite the bullet and spend eight hundred plus dollars. Wait twelve months for it to finally come in, <laughs> and I just—it was eating me alive to do that. Or you'd get one of the bars that has the crazy curve, like you see some like the—I don't even know what they're called, like the Titan Yukon bar or whatever. And yeah, that, that, that that's camber. what I'm referring to with the difference of the camber. Yeah. That like some of them out there, I've held off on buying because I thought, wow, like I, I feel like my arms are going to be like down at my armpits, and it's going to defeat the purpose of what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, as far as the difference in camber, that I, in my opinion, it makes a difference, and you've kind of hit the right depth as far as the history that I was referring to. So there's some like really early uh, kind of reference of Thomas Inch, as in the Inch Dumbbell fame, 1921, mentioning a bent bar. And then in the 1920s, 1930s, uh, Bill Poulam, very famous lifter, manufactured a cambered bar, um, but it was primarily for doing the bent press, which is uh, mostly gone out of fashion. There's still some you know, lifting in Usawa that people do bent press. I've been doing bent press just because I've been trying to learn it. And I think it's a cool lift, but you don't traditionally see a lot of people using it. I would wager and argue with me if you feel like it, that mostly power lifters, strongmen are, are using uh, a bent bar, using a cambered bar these days um, in terms of, you know, working it into their training, into their programming. And that's where, the earliest, like the godfather of powerlifting, J.C. Heiss, comes in. So have you ever heard of J.C. Heiss? I think I'm saying his name right, H-I-S-E? I have not. Okay, so this dude, the the brief story on him is that, like, Perry Rader, the publisher of Iron Man magazine, called him the or original power man. So J.C. Heiss, he was one of the first to ever use a cambered bar, and there's some conflicting kind of stories a website that I love, Physical Culture Study, I'll drop a link, has a history of Cambered Bar where he does a really nice job of going through the conflicting stories. And the ways that I would tell it is the legend, if you will, is that this dude at the time, we're talking about a time and era before squatting with a straight bar was really overly popularized by that time. Um, it's it's still a pretty select few trying to even do that, let alone do it heavy because you have to do a Steinborn squat. You've got to do an Arthur where you bring it up your back and then get it into position. So, I mean, we're talking about a time and age that JC Heiss was going heavier and heavier and heavier squatting. And the legend is that his brother was using a bar as a tool to work on his Model T's drive shaft. So that's housing. So that's how old we're talking here, Model T era. And then it was bent because he was trying to like 
I would assume I'm making my best historical inference. He was trying to use it to somehow pry something working with the Model T. If I've got listeners that are really well-versed on the Model T drive shaft housing, just weigh in if I'm wrong about that. But the bar gets bent. And when JC Heist goes to use it, he notices that going heavy with this bent bar, it really relieves all the pressure on his neck. So the neck pain he'd been having from the straight bar as he went heavier and heavier and heavier doing his squats was relieved because as you said, Jeff, that Buffalo bar shape distributes it. Perry Raider of Ironman, by the way, goes on to sell uh, Buffalo bars in Ironman magazine as early as the 1950s. That's the legend. The other side of it, the other take on it is that Bill Pullum, who I mentioned, who made a cambered bar, JC Heiss bought one from him, but Connor Heffernan, who writes the article, physical culture study article that I love he really does a nice job of weighing in using historical inferences of his own that, hey, J.C. Heiss is like a DIY guy. Is he really going to pay all this money? And he's a man of average means because, like you said yourself, not making a lot of money lifting weights. Right. Back then, unless you're Eugene Sandow or I guess I'd be Arthur Saxon by that time, and you're making money on the show circuit in vaudeville, you're not really making much money then either. So it's kind of unlikely that he would have had one from Bill Pullum shipped overseas in the 1920s or thirties to the United States. What's more likely is that maybe he saw the one Bill Pullum was using for bent presses. And the whole purpose with the bent presses, you have one arm over your head and then you're bending down almost like a, a windmill movement, if you will, with a kettlebell. Imagine that. And, uh, and then pressing up. So strongman archeology, span he does a great job with bent press, James Fuller. So if you uh, follow Strongman Archaeology on Instagram, you'll see a really good technique with bent press that's better defined than what I just said. So it distributes the weight if you have a bent barbell, but then Heist maybe got it for squatting. So then bring it all the way through. Andy Jackson is believed. Iron History, by the way, shout out. Iron History is a great website. And Connor Heffernan also cites them saying that Andy Jackson was one of the first to mass produce the cambered bar. So that's the brief history on the cambered bar. And I think it's cool, Jeff, you've got some connections there, you know, the whole neck pain kind of thing, the mass production thing with Andy Jackson, and you're, you're bringing it forward. I tried to figure out like Buffalo bar, the origin, like why, why call it the Buffalo why? bar? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just like, is it horns? Is it because it sits? I don't know. Like I would think an ox would have like a, you know, have a yoke that would look more like it than a Buffalo. So I, the best I could find is just that that's what Perry Raider sold them as an Ironman magazine was Buffalo bar. I still hmm. couldn't sort out why. So if anyone knows for sure out there, listeners, drop it in the comments, let us know. But you'll see the terms buffalo bar, cambered bar, bent bar, all kind of interchangeable. Sometimes safety squat bar even gets in the mix because really? I, I suppose the safety squat bar has a camber to it. You know, the weight is sitting downward. Um, but I personally, I consider the safety squat bar to be a whole different animal. How do you feel about that in terms of, you know, buffalo bar versus safety squat bar? Absolutely not. They're, they're two <laughs> different items right there. That's like just calling it, oh, it's a Mars bar. Yeah. Like, yeah. like not even close. No. <laughs> One of a kind there. Yeah. 
I would agree. That's my take on it. I have a safety squat bar from Black Widow, and it's a whole different feel than uh, a Buffalo bar than your Appalachian bar. So you're mentioning how you're you're kind of how did you phrase it? You're letting the cat out of the bag, or you're you know revealing these things on Discord. I mean, I'm on Discord, and it's a great place to talk uh, about the gym space and things like that. But you know, another great place right here on home gym history. So <laughs> can you give us some insight for listeners that are keyed in here and want to know more about primal armor? Like what's, what are you working on? What's, what's going down in terms of future aspirations, uh, future releases that you're comfortable talking about? Absolutely. I'll probably be the first one now to release it to more than just the 30 people <laughs> on the, the barbell discord. But, uh, the first one that I've been working on, and I'm probably a little bit farther on this one, it's going to be called the switchback bar. Mm. It's going to be a multi-grip bar. And that's just been the holdup of, you're just going to be able to switch back and forth and uh, multi-grip and okay. just getting it right. Like yeah. I said, I don't want to bring forward anything that I don't, that I'm not proud of because I want to get good equipment to good people for a good cause. That's kind of what I've been saying lately, and that's been my motto. So I just don't want to bring I don't want to bring anything forward that I am not proud of. So it's just trying to get a hundred percent right the first time. Yeah. I love that phrase. Good equipment to good people for a good cause. Put it on a t shirt. Love it. <laughs> and then the second one is uh another story of mine is if you guys don't know me, I'm a firefighter. And um just the training that I do for firefighting means a lot to me. And that's what I base a lot of my uh, weightlifting around now. And it's just going to be like a sledgehammer target that can be uh, just freestanding or there'll even be a rack attached version where you can take some swings at it. That's very cool. And now uh, yeah. getting that to not do damage or move your rack. Now that, <laughs> that's, that's the hard part. That's but the challenge. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm, I've got some good ideas on that one, but just, Prototyping those and testing them out was taking a while on that. So, but don't have a name yeah. for that one yet. I have a couple in mind, but that one's a little bit farther behind in the process. I'm hoping to have something to bring so if people could see at uh, Home Gym Common in April. Mm -hmm. But That'd I kind of tease cool. those. I kind of tease those to a select few people at Home Gym Con and yeah. uh, last April. And I know if I don't bring anything a year later, I'm gonna <laughs> look real bad. So. Nah. I think life's just been super like you busy. said, you have a different business model than some others. So, and, th and that's so hard because you know? Hey, good equipment to good people for a good cause. It, it's, it's been a big reason why I get so nervous. Anytime I ask me, <laughs> anytime anyone asks me what's prime armor or how would you describe it? Or anytime I've been on a podcast, that's not my own. And then they're asking, Oh, tell me what you do. Or you know, <laughs> I, it, it's, it's jumped to a million different things, but just ultimately, I'm just trying to help a good cause. And it's just any way I can get there while fulfilling my passion of fitness. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Now, you are much more knowledgeable with training and just fitness in general than I am. What, when it comes to the Appalachian Bar, Cambered Bar, I've been mainly using it for squats, but I have been experimenting and doing some other things. I did some uh, kind of lighter deadlifts with it just to see how that felt. I tried out once I read that 
the history of it and was reading about the bent press. I was doing some bent press with it, which is kind of cool because the weight displacement does feel different than a straight bar. And then I would say second place to squats would just be bench press that, and that's how I'll be using it tomorrow. What, where do you see it? Where does it fall in your training? I mean, any, um, advice you'd have for anyone in terms of using a cambered bar for any of those purposes? I feel like what really blew up for uh, Buffalo bars in the last 10 years or so is when Kabuki made their Duffalo bar and they just made that thing a beast. So now everyone thinks they can squat 900 pounds with that. Thing. So <laughs> yeah. everyone thinks they can be a world-class power lifter or a strong man with it. Where I think the best part about a Buffalo bar or is if you have any sort of injury or you're just in any sort of re rehabilitative state, if you have bad neck, bad shoulders, bad wrists, anything like that. It's it's a perfect bar to kind of get you working from dumbbells or body weight stuff to get back into a straight bar because that's what everyone eventually wants to do. Most people are trying to get back to that straight bar so they can do squat, bench, deadlift. And this is a great way to kind of get back to that. Yeah. I mean, before we hit before I hit record, I had said like, you know, I'm in my 40s, so I'm not looking to break any world records or anything. I'm just an average Joe kind of lifter trying to stay healthy so I can lift my grandkids someday down the road kind of guy. So for me, when I cycle, you know, in my programming away from a straight bar, it is like a treat when I'm coming to the Appalachian bar. I look forward to it. Like when I know it's coming up that next week, I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. Like I, because I just know it's going to be comfortable. I just know life is going to be a little easier while I'm using it. And then, uh, you know, even just when I'm using it, uh, as an accessory, things like that, I look forward to it. The other end of it in terms of cambered bar history would be Mike McDonald. So he put out a cambered bench bar and I had one a while back that I used for a little while. And then I ended up offloading it and getting rid of it because I enjoyed using your bar so much for benching. But the Mike McDonald cambered bench bar was basically that he, he was an elite bench press uh, specialist, if you will. I mean, power lifter, but he was known for being elite at the bench press and he really liked the stretch that it gave him. And when I put out just like a little 15 second reel on it, the majority of comments I got was like, you're going to tear your pec. Like you're, you're over <laughs> stretching all this stuff. So I never went really heavy with it, but it, it essentially just gave me the feel of doing like flies is what it felt like to okay. me. You know, that stretch when you do like a dumbbell fly, um, that's about it. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just a camber of your bar that it's not as aggressive as the McDonald bar that I'd used. I think the depth of his, um, because the way it's centered, it's not just a perfect kind of uh, arc. It's a pronounced like four inch depth that's right in the middle of the bar, maybe a foot and a half to two feet. I'd say two feet long. So to, then it basically just conforms. And I'd even thought that like, if there's a really big dude, this bar probably wouldn't work. Like it's going to be, he's going to be like squeezing it onto his big old torso. Like Brian Shaw is not going to be able to use this Mike McDonald bar, but right. Average 200 pounds, six foot tall Rob over here at Vintage Weights PGH. I'm able to use it. So, yeah, I that's the only other cambered bar history I stumbled on was Mike McDonald. As far as the Appalachian bar and 
your other two bars, the Olympus and the Denali. Where are you based out of? Where's all this theme coming from for listeners that don't know? So uh, the theme has came from that uh, me, my wife, my daughter, just our entire family loves to go hiking. That is just what what I train to do too is on top of just me being a firefighter. It's just really cool to throw my daughter in the backpack and just <laughs> try to find the biggest mountain we can do. And how quick can I lug her up that mountain and get to the top? <laughs> yeah. So almost all my things are somewhat mountain themed is because I, my daughter's two and a half and I can't even tell you the amount of mountains that we've been up. That's cool. Two and a half years. And my plan is to do all the national parks with her before she turns 18 and try to hit every single mountain or the tallest mountain in every park that we can. Nice. So that's just where the themes came from. It's just something that's very personable to me yeah. and my family. And what was the other part of that question? I just, where are you based out of? Oh, where am I based out of? Yeah. So I'm based out of a small cornfield town called Millville, <laughs> Illinois. Okay. Uh, it's, it's so small that there's one stoplight in my entire county and it's nice. like 45 minutes away. That's the traffic jam. Yeah, no, our traffic jam right now is getting caught behind tractors and semis for harvest. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. But I, every time uh, I uh, have to describe it, it's just two hours west of Chicago. Okay, that's cool. Just straight, just straight west. If you take I, I-88, just straight west of Chicago, I'm about 10 minutes north of that. Sounds easy enough. Well, if you haven't been there yet, or if you head to Cuyahoga Falls National Park, that's in Ohio. Yes about, I don't know, two hours from Pittsburgh, uh, where I am, I'll come out there and meet you and do a hike. I love Cuyahoga Falls National Park. It's, it has a great Blossom Music Center is a great place. I've gone to concerts and things there and it's gorgeous. Like you got the whole national park behind the concert amphitheater, but the hiking is great too. And aptly named the waterfalls and various things throughout. We so, did yeah. that one like a year and a half ago. You checked it off. <laughs> we, we, we checked we checked it off but we didn't get to do the train ride when we were there okay so it's on the list to go back to again so maybe you'll loop back all right fair okay, enough. We, we will definitely be back <laughs> now you mentioned at the very top of the show about the past couple months being like a busy difficult in some manner do you want to get into that at all yep so like i said i'm a firefighter and i'm at that point in my career where we're really close to promotions and mm. just working your way up to the next rank so it's just been a lot of behind the scenes, not primal armor stuff, just going off the classes. The classes are could be several hours away, weeks at a time. So it's just been I had to set down a lot of primal armor stuff and focus on the career that feeds the family. Yeah. And yeah. just when I'm you just gotta make sure you cover the family first because primal armor isn't what's covering my family. Like I said earlier, I'm not here to make a big buck with it. I'm just here to support a good cause. That makes sense to me. And I, I mean, I'm not a firefighter, so I don't know for sure, but the way you described it reminds me of uh, military training in, in terms of, you know, checking off the boxes for promotion and you gotta, you know, reach this certain plateau. Now you gotta go to this course and you gotta do this and that. So, uh, my days in the air force, I, I had to do a lot of studying and testing and going to in-person training or remote training, all kinds of stuff for various promotions. So I know that feeling as far as the podcast though, 
one thing I liked when I checked it out uh, some while back was just, you said tidbits and that's, you know, I've, my podcast has gotten longer and longer. I, I usually somewhere between 40 minutes to an hour, every once in a while, there's just a wild one that really goes overboard. But yeah, yours, the thing I really like about it is that it's a like in and out, like, or like a binge kind of thing where I can listen to like 10 episodes and like one drive in the car running errands because it's like one to the next and kind of cool. But I really like the focus of it that, you know, you've got this topic, you jump in there and you jump out. So what, before we get off this podcast, you know, tell listeners a little bit more about your podcast. Um, you said it was kind of all over the fitness spectrum. Is there any kind of lane you like to get back to and kind of return to, or like a touchstone kind of thing that you really enjoy to talk about with your podcast? Yeah, I, I took a break in July when I hit my 100th episode because I knew I was about to dive real hard into all these classes and stuff that I was going to do. But that's kind of motivated me again, and it's kind of given me that drive to get back into it. And the same with everything else with the true fitness side or the manufacturing side of Primal Armor. You haven't seen much of me on social media and stuff, and I felt really bad. And it's just it's so hard to keep up when just there's so much stuff going on in every aspect of your life. But yeah, it's just giving me time to write down, oh, I have this thought. Oh, I have that thought. Because that's been what a lot of the podcast has been. It's just, oh, I have this quick little thought. Let me talk on it for maybe five <laughs> minutes, maybe 10 minutes at the most, and then yeah. get you on your way. Because while I do think there's great, great podcasts out there that go for one hour, two hours, and it's just sometimes it's hard to keep up with those. And you only listen to half of it. And then you forget that you listened to the first half and then you never yeah. finish it. Yeah. Or it's just really hard to sit down and focus for one hour on something. So I just wanted to be able to help other people and just give them five, 10 minutes of information on something with nutrition or something with just personal daily motivation or physical fitness, anything like that. And it's just, it's just been something that's always been interesting to me and I've always felt passionate about. And I know a lot of people aren't like, if you look at the state of America today, it is, uh, really 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 bad so and i'm not talking about political i'm just talking about physical fitness wise so i just want to be able to help try to motivate people or give them any information that i have in my brain to help them just live a better life and just be better for their own family yeah i mean i think i agree with you anything to motivate uh anyone to be healthier is good in my book you know kind of like the uh, we're coming up when this drops, you know, we're kind of in the holiday season. New Year's will be a couple weeks out and there's that whole New Year's physical fitness deal, you know, a bunch of people going into the commercial gyms, all this stuff. But I always view like, hey, it, first of all, as a home gym owner, like if you don't like the commercial gym, then start a home gym. <laughs> like it's there's your solution. But beyond that, like I, I find it hard to be annoyed with anyone trying to better themselves in the gym. So right. if you're doing something, that's why like some of the putting down certain strength pursuits, you know, making fun of this or that or CrossFit or this, whatever, I don't really put down any strength pursuits because it's a strength pursuit. It's, <laughs> it's better than nothing. So yeah, even if it's not my being on the couch, exactly. Even if it's not my cup of tea, whatever you want to go out there and do funny looking pull-ups and whatever it is you do in your box, then you go right ahead. CrossFitters like good for oh. you. I'll be the first one to admit I crossfitted for a lot of years. There you go. Like in college. 
And yeah, I, I saw yeah. Benefit in it and I saw definitely lots of harm in it. But yeah, it's just being able to take anything away to be better for the yeah. next day. Well, and that's just that, the one I, I kind of like, <laughs> I grabbed out of the thin air. I could whatever, say anything about strongman or powerlifting, but yeah, just, Hey, you're good in my book. If you're doing something when it comes to the podcast, where can listeners find it? I mean, I'll drop links in the description of this one, but it's major platforms for the most any part, major where platform can listeners you can get find it? your podcast on like iTunes, Spotify, anywhere that you can find your podcast that you listen to, uh -oh. you'll be able to find us on and just search it as primal armor. Okay. There we go. You froze a little bit there. So basically just go and search it primal armor and it's going to pop up on most platforms. Sorry. You froze on me there for a second. <laughs> Man, we're like uh, Elsa and Anna here from frozen. So I know. <laughs> what we're trying to drive to here is listeners get to the primal armor podcast by any means possible. Just search it up and it's going to come up on major platforms. And personally, my advice is, um, I like, you know, throw podcasts like Primal Armor podcast into a queue. And, you know, when you got that little drive in the car, when you got, you know, you run out of something to listen to while you're doing cardio or and even in between sets, whatever it is you're doing, it's that little tidbit that uh, just kind of keeps you going. So check it out. Hey, Jeff, I'm looking forward to Home Gym Con. It's coming up for, by the time this drops, four short months away. Will Primal Armor be at Home Gym Con again this april primal armor will be at home gym con every year there's a home gym con awesome that is good to hear so listeners please go to homegymcon.com pick up your tickets so you can visit beautiful french lick indiana which i could not get enough of making fun of the name french lick indiana leading up the last years and now i'm not making fun like it was beautiful the resort is awesome i had a great time as you heard earlier jeff had a great time and meet the people that have likewise interests that you have. And actually, before I sign off here, I do have one more question because this came to my mind. Uh, I, my start in all these pursuits was just enjoying old weights and vintage weights. And one of the kind of like little just sweet spots for finding some really good old weights would be firehouses. So as a firefighter, have you ever seen some old stuff sitting around in a firehouse gym? Have you ever gone to a firehouse and been like, wow, look at these old weights sitting here. You ever see anything? I have, I haven't really searched any other firehouses when I have okay. been on vacation or anything, but we just dropped more money than I'm willing to be proud of saying into our gym because it's just been a big priority for our entire uh, station. We've got a lot of new guys, a lot of young guys who are motivated and willing to work out now. So we just put a lot of money into our gym. So everything is less than two years old. Okay. Well, see, that's the kind of transition that I, I've known people that have really uh, found some great weights because a firehouse is upgrading and, you know, they don't, we don't need these thick, deep dish. We're like, what is this? Let's get rid of these old rusty weights. And if you ever find, if you ever visit a firehouse, tell them. There's a guy in Pittsburgh that'll give you oh, shiny, yeah. shiny new weights for all those old ones. So send them my way. Will do. As far as primal armor, as far as home gym con, the physical culture study and iron history sources, I mentioned listeners, you can find links to all those things in the description. Please 
If you don't follow Primal Armor on Instagram, if you don't listen to Primal Armor podcast, go and do so. And if you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't already followed Home Gym History or subscribed to Garage Gym Radio on YouTube, please do so. All those little follows, all those comments and likes really help. So thank you, listeners, for coming on out to this episode of the History of the Cambridge Bar. And thank you, Jeff, for stopping by Home Gym History. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate you having me. All right. Take care. I'll see you at Home Gym Con in a couple months. See you at Home Gym Con. All right. Bye-bye.